Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Attention, nerds. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Flashback Friday episode. If you're listening to the day, it is uploaded. It is September 22nd, a Flashback Friday. Right next to me is well, somebody's very happy that it is a Friday. Janet, I got one name. Janet. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. You have succeeded in becoming... The perfect failure. I don't believe it. <laughs> I just don't believe it. Well, it's true, and that's me, and right next to me is a person who is not a failure, and that is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. I bet you're really happy. It is a Friday. Extremely. It's a flashback Friday. Mm. And the Riley and Kimmy show will be going back in time on this episode, like we do with every episode. We'll take you down, well, the thrilling days of yesteryear. We're going to do that. And hopefully we'll be bringing up some fond memories. By the way, we are one week away from being in Tampa Bay, right, Kimmy? Yes. Can you believe it? It's that close. Megacon Tampa Bay happens Friday, September 29th through October 1st. You can find out more about Megacon Tampa Bay by going right to their Facebook page. That's Megacon Tampa. We have links on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And this will be an opportunity for you to meet Stan Lee. He's coming to Florida to help out with Hurricane Irma, right? Yeah. Can you believe that? I know. That's awesome. Yes, he'll be there. And other celebrities like John Barrowman and plenty of artists, some legends like Neil Adams will be there. Mm-hmm. So stop on by, have some fun, make it a weekend. That's Megacon Tampa Bay. Get your cosplay on or just find your nerd shirts and wear them. For this fun event. By the way, the Riley and Kimmy show will be there. And, you know, best way to uh, locate us is just follow us on social media. Connect with us that way. We'd love to talk nerd with you and share the experience of Megacon Tampa Bay. Maybe a a great panel or something like that, right? Yeah, that would be fun. Definitely. I I don't know if I can get Kimmy to go to the Stan Lee panel. I hope I can. Yeah. Or maybe the John Barrowman panel, right? Or William Shatner. Oh, that's right. The Shat is there. And this is is really a, a unique opportunity there. Think about it. You got William Shatner, John Barrowman, and... Stan Lee, just to name a few. Right. There's even somebody from Supernatural there. Oh, boy. I mean, that, that it's a huge list. You can see that entire list by going right to the Megacon Tampa Bay Facebook page. You can find links right on our website. And by the way, at our website, you can find archived episodes of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Also, celebrity interviews, video interviews, and videos, and photos, and nerd links, and so much more, including our social media links to stay in touch with us. And we have an event contact page if you have an upcoming event you would like us to be part of and to promote just go right there connect with us that is the contact event page on our website and all those things can be found on our website and that address kimmy is what rileyandkimmy.com rileyandkimmy.com 
Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? Oh, that's a big question on Flashback Friday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time and play some nerd and pop culture trivia? How would you like to go back in time a little bit, Kimmy? Can we quiz you today? Are you up to speed for that? I would like to do that. We're going to be asking Kimmy some questions from a pop culture timeline that may have been adjusted, meaning it's not in chronological or linear order. Feel free to shout out answers to whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. It could be anything. That's right, that laptop, desktop, tablet, smartphone, smartwatch. It could be smart glasses. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take the Riley and Kimmy show anywhere. Take us to work with you. Take us any place. Right, Kimmy? Mm Mm-hmm. And tell your friends. You found a place that offers a daily pop culture show, offers escapism to get away from all of it for just a little while. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. First question we have for you today, Kimmy, is TV-based. Two-part question. We want the year within one year, a plus or minus of one year, that a certain TV show debuts. It debuts on this date. Identify the TV show with this theme as soon as you can. Charlie's Angels. That's correct, Kimmy. Now, what year did Charlie's Angels debut? Um, 76. You get it exactly right now. Tell me the three original female stars. Era Fawcett. Yes. Kate Jackson. Correct. Jacqueline Smith. That's right. You got it right. And what network aired Charlie's Angels? ABC. I, you know, I never saw Charlie's Angels. Really? Yeah, I never saw it. The only time I've seen Charlie's Angels is with you. We, I think we got a compilation disc or something at one time, mm-hmm. and I watched it with you. That's the only time I had ever seen that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you. When I first met you, you didn't have the uh, the Cobra, the car she had. Remember <laughs> that Jill drove? I knew about the car. Uh huh. I'm surprised you 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 didn't you know didn't have one of those because oh. you seem to be like a big fan of Charlie's Angels. Oh yeah. Was... Did you did you have a Charlie's Angels lunchbox? No. Oh, oh, well, maybe we can find one in an upcoming event. Hmm. All right. I had a t-shirt. You did? Yep. Was it Farrah? All three. Oh, but no Bosley. No. Oh, darn. Okay, Kimmy, the year is 1957. This TV show premieres on ABC. It is a Western, and it would air in syndication forever. I mean forever. Matter of fact, I can't remember which retro channel does run it now, See if you can identify it from its theme. We have altered its theme just one little item. We've taken the name of the show out of the theme because it is prominent in the theme. So we've cut that part out. Let's see if Kimmy can tell us the name of that TV show. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ride the trail to who knows where. Luck is his companion. Gambling is his game. Smooth as a handle on a gun, wild as a wind in Oregon, blowing up a canyon, easier to tame. Riverboat, ring your bell, farewell, Annabelle. Luck is a lady that he loves the best. Nassau to New Orleans, living on Jackson, Queens. Riverboat, ring your bell, farewell, Annabelle. Luck is a lady that he loves the best. Next to New Orleans, living on Jackson, Queens. 
Kimmy, can you identify that TV show which would they would try to reboot with a movie many, many years later? Can you tell me the name of the TV show? I have no idea. Maverick. Starring James Garner and Jack Kelly. Produced by Warner Brothers. All right, we've answered it's Maverick. Now, Kimmy, somebody who would eventually play James Bond would come onto the show and play one of the relatives of Maverick because now suppose because the, the behind the scenes reason is is James Garner's film career was really starting to cook and he pulled away from the TV show but they didn't want to take him away from the TV show they wanted his name part of the TV show so he was still part of the credits but he wasn't in many episodes this other person picked up the load can you tell me the who it is the future James Bond who would be on that show mm. it was Roger Moore before he played the saint he played their relative Bo wow. on the show. You don't remember those? No. Have you ever seen never. it? Have you I've ever? Seen, I've never seen it. You've never seen an episode of Maverick? No. We might have to actually, uh, well, at least expose you to some Maverick, right? I mean, hmm. come on. The year is 1964. This TV show debuts on NBC. Kimmy, identify it from its theme. Jimmy, can you identify that TV show that premiered on this date in 1964? Oh, I sure can't. All right. Here is another clue. Matter of fact, you have met the star. My name is Napoleon Soto. I'm an enforcement agent in Section 2 here. That's operations and enforcement. I am Ilya Kuryakin. I am also an enforcement agent. Like my friend Napoleon, I go and I do whatever I am told to by our chief. Oh, oh yes, Alexander Waverley, number one, section one, in charge of this, our New York headquarters. It's from here that I send these young men on their various missions. Impossibly, they're death. Can you identify the TV show, Kimmy? No. In New York City. On a street in the East 40s, there's an ordinary tailor shop. Or is it ordinary? We entered through the agent's entrance, and we are now in UNCLE headquarters. That's the United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. UNCLE is an organization consisting of agents of all nationalities. It's involved in maintaining political and legal order anywhere in the world. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the TV show now? The Man from Uncle? Yeah, that's right. You met the star. No. Yeah, well, yes, you did. Not Many really. years ago, back uh, when you were a kid in Hollywood, you met, what was his name, Kimmy? The star of Man from Uncle? Robert Vaughn. So you've never seen that show, right? I have never seen it. Or The Girl from Uncle? The spinoff? No. Oh, wow. None of the Uncle comic books or anything? Mm-mm. Well, we'll have to introduce you at least to the comic books at an upcoming uh, convention. We'll show you those. They did. They were prominent way back in the 60s and mid-60s. Years 1965, this group made the studio recording of I Hear a Symphony. Can you tell me the girl group that did that and had it as a hit? The year's 1965. 
the Supremes. You got it right, Kimmy. The year's 1967. The Beatles appeared on the cover of Time magazine. I'm sure that's a collectible to look for, right? Mm, yeah. And the year's 1980. Geffen Records was formed. And on this date, 1980, John Lennon and Yoko signed with Geffen Records. It's 1982. This sitcom premieres. Kimmy, it's a two-part question. Give us the name of the sitcom once you can. And please tell us the network it aired on originally. And by the way, tell us as soon as you know. I mean, the moment you know what this sitcom is. All right? Here's your audio clue. Family Ties. What was that again? Family Ties. Yes. I bet we've been together for a million years. Yes, Kimmy was a groupie of Family Ties, obviously. Now tell me, Kimmy, what network aired Family Ties originally? NBC. You got it right. Moving a little further down the timeline. It was on this date. The first Farm Aid concert was held. Two-part question. Tell me the year within two years of the first Farm Aid concert. And tell me the location of the first Farm Aid concert. 1987? It's 1985. And the first Farm Aid concert is held where? Come on, Willie Nelson put this on. So did John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, Texas? No, the first one was held Champaign, Illinois. Oh. The year 1985. Jeez, thought you would know that one, Mm. Kimmy. Yeah. I was part of a radio station that was part of that event. That was 1985. It was on this date in 1989. This TV show debuts on NBC. Kimmy, identify the TV show the moment you can. Yeah, she got it right. It is Baywatch. And tell me the person who was the executive producer and the star of Baywatch. David Hasselhoff. Yes, that's correct. But you know the important thing? That introduced us to Pamela Anderson. That's the the important thing. Yeah, that was 1989. It was on this date in 1997. Elton John releases a single as a tribute to Princess Diana. Can you tell me the name of the single? He had it as a hit previously. Mm Mm-hmm. This song would play on radio. Candle in the Wind. That's right. This song would play on radio stations throughout the world for a period of time. Mm -hmm. The year is 1999. This political drama premieres on NBC TV. Keep in mind the year 1999. See if you can identify the TV show. I needed to give her that much time. I think Kimmy actually knows this TV show. What is the name of the TV show from 1999? West Wing? Yes, starring Martin Sheen and Rob Lowe. That's why you know it, because of Rob Lowe, right? Mm -hmm. Did did you ever watch the West Wing? Actually, I never watched that either. I am surprised, because you're a big fan of Rob Lowe's. Mm -hmm. You actually made me watch that one movie way back. I don't remember what it was. I think you were testing me to see if I would stay. That, That movie where he plays a bad guy and... Bad influence. Yeah, that, that, that was it. I... I don't know what that was all about, but you made me watch that thing. Next question we have for you, Kimmy. It was on this date that the TV series Lost, created by J.J. Abrams, 
debuts on television, two-part question, give us the network that aired Lost, and tell us the year it premiered within two years. NBC in um, 2005? Well, you get the year close enough. It's 2004 Lost came to be, and Lost was actually found on ABC. Mm. Did you ever watch Lost? No. Wow. I... No. Okay. No. Okay. I may have tried it, but no. All right. Next question for you, Kimmy. It's about a television network. It was on this date, 2009. NCIS LA, starring Chris O'Donnell and LL Cool J premieres. What network aired this? NBC. It was It was CBS. <laughs> Celebrity and notable birthdays, this next person, he worked with Orson Welles. Matter of fact, he was part of Citizen Kane behind the scenes. He was a writer, a producer, also a director in his own right, and a big-time actor. Best known for playing Professor Charles Kingsfield in the film The Paper Chase. Can you identify who he is? Give me, here's your audio clue. Mr. Hart, I will myself give you the facts of the case. Hawkins versus McGee is a case in contract law, the subject of our study. A boy burned his hand by touching an electric wire. A doctor who was anxious to experiment in skin grafting asked to operate on the hand, guaranteeing that he would restore it 100%. He took a piece of skin from the boy's chest and grafted it onto the unfortunate boy's hand. The operation failed to produce a healthy hand. Instead, it produced a hairy hand. A hand not only burned, but covered with dense, matted hair. Mr. Hart, what damages do you think the doctor should pay? What did the doctor promise? Jimmy, can you tell me the name of that classic, that iconic actor, that voice that just stands out? John Houseman. You did it, Kimmy. I thought we'd have to go to the bonus clues. We'll use them for Flashback Friday. You might remember him from commercials back in the 1980s. Good investments don't walk up, bite you on the bottom, and say we're here. Finding them takes good old-fashioned hard work, research, the kind they do at Smith Barney. Smith Barney is among a handful of top investment firms singled out for their work in research. Smith Barney. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. You are one tough customer. You will not spend your hard-earned money on inferior merchandise. No one knows this better than McDonald's. McDonald's has never lowered a quality standard for the sake of a low price. And in return, you have made McDonald's an American institution. Nothing but the best. Maybe you never knew it, but you've always tasted it. Volvo thinks the design of a car should be as intelligent as the person who drives it. Consider the thinking that went into Volvo's gas filler cap. Volvo provides a receptacle, so it shouldn't be mislaid. So it shouldn't be missed, Volvo colors it red. The seat provides more than a place to sit. It can make you a better driver. You can see through it. And it's infinitely adjustable to afford you better control over the controls. A lumbar support may be firmed or softened to your liking. And if an important light burns out, this lights up. It's no surprise that a car this carefully thought out should appeal to people who think. 
87% of all Volvo buyers are college educated. The other 13% are just plain smart. Jimmy, I don't know how you actually knew that. It actually surprises me. Um, how did you know John Houseman? Is it because of the commercials or, or the TV show that he did, the Paper Chase TV show? He did the movie and then he did the TV series. Yeah, I used to watch uh, the Paper Chase. The TV show. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever seen the movie? The paper I chase. I don't think so. I think you will find that interesting because a young Lindsay Wagner plays his daughter. Oh. It. Yeah, and it, and she's different than the character you know her for playing the Bionic Woman. It's hmm. a few years before she played the Bionic Woman too, so it's kind. Of, I think I actually really think you'll enjoy that. I love that movie actually. Oh. I mean, the movie is special because well, I, I'm a big fan of John Houseman's and all the things that he did over the course of time. His his collaborations with Horse and Wells. And his own work, uh, but I just and I love listening to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially the the scenes in that uh, paper chase. Wow, they're in, they're intense. Moving back to the birthday list, celebrity birthdays. Martha Scott, born on this date, 1912. Kimmy, you have no idea who she is, right? No. She died 2003 at the age of 90. She is part of forgotten Hollywood, as I I call it. She was an American actress. She was featured in major films such as Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments in 1956. She was in Ben-Hur in 1959. In both movies, she played Charlton Heston's mother. She originated the role of Emily Webb in Thornton Wilder's Our Town on Broadway in 1938 and then went to the film version. She did the film version of that role in 1940, which uh, caused her to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress. That's Martha Scott, born on this day. Next person, a singer, Kimmy, best known for her 1977 hit. This hit record spent 10 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. That's 10 weeks at number one. It led her to winning the Grammy Award for Best New Artist the following year. She would focus on country a few years later and have hits on country charts. Tell me who she is, Kimmy. Who is the birthday person? How old she is once you identify her? Here is your audio clue that number one hit that was number one for 10 weeks in 1977. The daughter of a Famous singer and actor, tell me who she is. Oh boy, her De- Debbie. Yes, her father was big, famous in the fifties and sixties. Matter of fact, is still known to this day. You can't tell me who had the number one hit for ten weeks in nineteen seventy-seven, a song that played over and over I and know. over. Do you need me? Do you want to hear it again? No, 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 no Okay, no, can, no. can you tell me who it is? Um, boy, I know. Her father's first name is Pat. Debbie Boone. That's right. It's Debbie Boone. How old is she today? Within five years. Uh, 55. She is 61 today. Next person is an actor best known for one role on two shows. He was in, well, part of the supporting cast of one show. And then, well, he's actually known for three shows. I need to take that back. He, he was discovered, if you will, nationally known, became known on one show as a support cast member. Then he had that, that took that, that role, that character, and had his own show with it, and then eventually he had another show too. Now, we have the theme to his show, his first show that was his own. show ran from 1982 to 1983. He sang the theme with his co-star, 
Tell me who the birthday person is. Gimme, identify it. a puzzled look to our face. I wish this was a video. That was a TV show on Network TV, Kimmy. It was a spinoff of a, a big, big-time popular program. Now, he is singing there, the birthday person is, with Aaron Moran, who he co-starred with. Can you tell me the name of the TV show and who was the male star? Is that Joni Loves Chachi? Yeah, that's Joni Loves Chachi theme. Scott Bale. Yes. Now, do you think maybe they hurt the show with that kind of theme? That was horrible. I mean, think about Happy Days, how it opened up and it was moving as happy and everything, and then you had that. Yes. Scott Bale, having a birthday today. How old is he within five years? Uh, 51. He is 57 today. Can you tell me the show he did? Now, you know, Joni Loves Chachi did not tank him. He actually had a hit after it. He starred in a show. He was a title character. Of a show from 1984 to 1990, and then it went into, you know, reruns, syndication, forever. Can you can you name the show? No. Charles in Charge. Oh. Yeah, you remember you remember that yeah. show? You probably mm-hmm. didn't watch much of it, right? But Mm-mm. you did you did come across it, you know, uh-huh. when you were surfing. Next person, Kimmy, an actress known for one role, basically. She did some TV commercials she's known for, but she's known for a certain drama, an ABC TV show. See if you can tell me who she is. We have an audio bite where she's acting with the male lead of the TV show. She's his daughter in this. See if you can identify who she is and the TV show. Here's your audio clue. Hello, Daddy. Hello, darling. Hey, you look wonderful. You've been out snoozing in the sun? Yes. Thank you for all this. So good to see you with a smile again. Oh, it's lovely here. And I did need to get out of Denver away from everything. Now, if I could just find someone to play tennis with, life would be perfect. You could have said something before I made a complete fool of myself. I'm not embarrassed. Well, not much. 
She would play Princess Diana on a made-for-TV movie way, way, way back. Can you tell me who she is? No. That's Catherine Oxenberg. Can you tell me the TV show that audio bite was from that she was, uh, well, that's what she's really known for. Wow, you're really stumping me today. Yeah, she played Amanda Carrington on Dynasty. Did you ever watch Dynasty, Kimmy? No. Not at all? I I thought you would have because you liked Dallas and it was kind of like, you know, that kind of show. No. Dynasty was out. Mm-mm. I see dead people. It is notable deaths. Taking a look at who passed away on this date. 1987, this person, a comedian, died at the age of 65. He is known for being part of, well, actually his name, part of a TV show back in the 1960s. He played straight man to his comedy partner, Kimmy. See if you can identify the TV show. It was a 1960s TV show. Aired on NBC. Was considered cutting edge. Laughing? Yes, Kimmy got it right. He is the partner to Dick Martin. What is his name? Rowan? That's right, Dan Rowan. Passed away on this date in 1987, I believe. I know I'm right here. Decades TV Network runs Laugh-In, I believe, weeknights. And sometimes on the weekends, too, if you, you want to check it out. You know, that's Laugh-In. Next person passed away on this date, 1989. American composer, lyricist, considered one of the greatest songwriters in American history. He wrote God Bless America, White Christmas. There's no business like show business and many, many more. Matter of fact, even the songs he wrote, I'll give you an example. Aretha Franklin even recorded one of his songs. Tell me who he is, but, well, see if you can identify one of his songs from 1930 that became a hit in the 80s, Kimmy. Tell me the name of the song. Here is your clue. Dress up like a million dollar trooper. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come let's six, where Rockefellers walk with sticks or umbrellas in the pits. What is the name of that hit? Putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. Different types of everyday that was done by whom? Who recorded that in 1983 and had it as a number four hit? I don't know. Food name. That's your clue. One of your favorite food items. That's that's your clue. Pizza. No, but you're close. <laughs> it is Taco, who Taco. had that as a hit in 1983, putting on the Ritz. Originally, well, it was written in 1930. Many have danced to it. Many have recorded it. Young Frankenstein has a scene with that, if, uh, if you, oh, yeah. remember, you remember that. Okay, you know where the monster sings it, kind of, in a way. Now, who wrote Putting on the Ritz and all those other songs we talked about? He died on this date in 1989 at the age of 101. Irvin Berlin. Irving Berlin is who it is. You got it right. Next person, actor, Kimmy. He starred in Dr. Strangelove. He also was Patton in the movie Patton. He dies at the age of 71 on this date. Tell me who he is. Here's your audio clue, Kimmy. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans 
love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. Kimmy, who is the actor playing Patton? George C. Scott. That's right. Passed away on this date in 1999. I just saw him. Uh, for some reason, I stumbled on the movie The Hustler with Paul Newman and uh, Jackie Gleason. I, I just was surfing around, and it just started, and I watched it. And he's in that. I've forgotten he's in that movie. Hmm. He calls Paul Newman's character a loser, hmm. which convinces Minnesota Fats to kick his butt. Hmm. It, it, cool scene. It, 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 it really is. That is George C. Scott, who passed away on this day. By the way, he turned down the Academy Award, made a big big stink about it, too. When he was offered it in the 1970s, he warned the Academy, do not give me that award. I don't believe in it. I don't. I think every everybody's work should be judged just on its own and not thrown into this pool, basically. Mm-hmm. And they gave it to him, and he didn't accept it. Hmm. That's George C. Scott. Next person, Kimmy Passway, 2015, baseball catcher, coach, and manager. He was manager of the New York Yankees. He was part of the New York Yankees, and the Mets dies at the age of 90. A cartoon character is based on him, name, and even some say some of the things the cartoon character says. Matter of fact, he was going to sue the people who made the cartoon, but his lawyer said, uh, leave it be. Can you tell me who passed away on this date? Yogi Berra. That's right. And what's the name of the cartoon character in which he had a little problem with being uh, cloned after? Yogi Bear. <laughs> you got it exactly right, Kimmy. I think you did a fantastic job today with today's Flashback Friday trivia. We're matter of fact, we're going to keep flashbacking going on. Yeah, we're just going to keep the flashback happening. Okay. We're going to go back in time right now and honor something from trivia with a golden age of radio. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Flashback Friday. We're going to go back to Forgotten Hollywood. Actress Martha Scott, born on this date in 1914. She did a ton of golden age of radio work. We have two great examples of her work. First one is Crisis. That's the title of an episode. It's a suspense episode. It's from 1948. And little side note, Paul Freeze, the voice of the Haunted Mansion, also uh, Boris Badenoff and many other things. He is the narrator, so it's really cool to hear that. That's Crisis 1948, followed by Mirror, Mirror on the Wall from 1965. This is one of the last old-time radio shows ever made. ABC tried to resurrect old-time radio because it had faded by this time period, and this was their attempt. Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. That's the last one we have. These are back-to-back, uninterrupted, and safe for all ages to hear. Kicking things off with Crisis, here is Martha Scott on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Martha Scott 
in Anton Lita's production of Crisis, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Sorry, doctor, I fell asleep. I told you not to. I warned you. I couldn't help it. Let me see the baby. How is he? Is he better? Well, pneumonia's tricky. Temperature 106. Oh, all day long it's been 106. If he'd only move, if he'd only cry. Oh, doctor, you've got to do something. Mrs. Norquist, get hold of yourself. Fasten that sheet down. It's important that you don't let any of that steam escape. All right, it's just that I'm so tired. When will the nurse be here? There won't be a nurse. No nurse, but you said there... I've tried everywhere. It's the worst epidemic since 1918. The hospitals are full. Oh, but I can't go on without a nurse. I can't. Well, isn't there someone who can help you? Some neighbor? There's no one. Well, what about your husband? When's he due back? Two or three days. Maybe you'd better send for him. You... You don't mean the baby. Well, you can't keep this up. You need help. Oh, I didn't want to worry Paul. This business trip's so important to him. Besides, I expected to get a nurse. Why, he doesn't even know the baby's sick. Uh, you'll have to do it alone, then. How's the sulfur holding out? I have enough. Good. Now, don't neglect the steam for an instant. Keep up the warm alcohol sponge bath. Don't leave his side. I'll, I'll try to get back in the morning. And don't sleep. No matter how tired you get, no matter how you scream for it, you must not sleep. Here. Here, take these pills. They'll help you. Thank you, doctor. Doctor, is little Kurt going to make it? Well, that you'll know one way or the other before morning. Oh? Crack that temperature tonight, and he'll pull through. It's the crisis. Poor baby. Little thin legs. Kick the covers, darling. Kick them. That's what legs are for. You don't want to give up now, Kurt. You're just beginning. You haven't seen half there is. You've never thrown a snowball or hit a home run or gone fishing with your dad. Oh, Kurt. Kurt, you should be in a hospital. Not in a homemade croup tent with a kettle of steam under your bed. In a hospital with, with nurses in white starched uniforms. Nurses who are awake whose hearts don't break when they look at you. I, I mustn't think about it. Steam. A kettle under the bed, steam to breathe. Another kettle on the stove. Sponge baths every few minutes. Every few minutes. Temperature, 106. Temperature, 106. Temperature, 
How many times I took it, I don't know. Nothing in the room seemed real or tangible anymore. Nothing but the steam. Steam. I watched it, hypnotized. Now it was an eraser on a blackboard removing today's problems. Now it was a windshield wiper pushing aside the rain so I could see ahead of me. The vision slowly cleared. And then I saw it, a light, no, six lights, bright flames, birthday candles, six birthday candles on top of a white cake. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, little Kurt, happy birthday to you. <laughs> six years old, you're a big boy now, son. I want my present. Oh, mercenary little creature, isn't he, Paul? <laughs> okay, monkey, here it is. Here, son, let me help you. Leave it alone! What? Don't you dare touch it! Oh, now look here, Kurt. Please, Paul, it's his birthday. Oh. All right. Go ahead, unwrap it. Well, Kurt, don't you like it? No. Oh, why, Kurt Norquist, how can you say such a thing after your daddy bought you a wonderful fire engine? Why didn't you get me one with one seat? But what's wrong with two seats? When it's got two seats, you gotta let some other kid ride with you. But don't you want to share your fun with your little friends? I don't like nobody to have fun but me! Kurt, you come back here. Let him go, Paul. Oh, but He's Mary... He's just a little boy. He'll get over it. Well, I, I hope so. There were more birthdays, but as Kurt grew, a mounting fear began to grow in me, too. He looked like a choir boy, but there was something else hiding back of those innocent eyes. At eight, he forged his report card. At ten, he stole some things from the dime store. By the time he showed promise of being taller than his father, his personality, in spite of everything we tried to do, was really beginning to frighten us. You wanted to see me, Father? Uh, yes, I did. Your mother and I are very concerned about you. Again? Why weren't you in school all week? It bores me. Well, where were you? What have you been doing? Thinking. Just thinking. What about, Kurt? What is it you think about? Is there something bothering you? Yes. Well, what is it, son? School. I hate it. But you like to read. That's different. I read what I like. I don't like to be told what to do. But don't you understand? Everybody has to be guided and told what to do. Sure, I understand. But I don't have to like it. And I don't like it. Kurt, I'm surprised at you. Is that all, Father? Yes, yes, that's, that's all. I'm disappointed. I thought you were going to beat me. Why, you insolent... Paul, Kurt! Please, please. There's someone at the door. What? Why, Mr. Johnson. Kurt home? Well, yes, he is. Hello, Paul. Oh, Fred. Well, what is it this time? Are you going to tell them, Kurt, or do you want me to? I don't mind. I stole a watch from Evans's jewelry store. A swell wrist watch. A watch? Oh, Kurt, we were going to buy you one for your birthday. You, you didn't have to steal it. It was more fun stealing. Lots more fun. This time, I'll have to take him to juvenile court, Mrs. Norquist. Oh, no. Fred, Fred, let, let me bring him down. You go on. I want to talk to him. <laughs> 
Paul's face was gray with hurt. His cheeks sagged and his eyes were bleak as he turned to Kurt. I didn't want it this way, son, but maybe it's the only solution. Maybe it'll help straighten you out. You're not going to put me in a reform school. Kurt! Kurt! Paul was savage as he ran up the stairs after him. Kurt slammed the bedroom door in his face, and as Paul flung it open... You've had this coming to you for a long time. Oh, no, you don't. Keep away from me. Kurt! Wild lust was on Kurt's face, and a gun was in his hand, his father's revolver. I knew he'd do it even before it happened. Kurt! <laughs> Paul went limp as he turned to me with a look of shocked surprise. Mary! <laughs> Paul! Suspense, Autolite is bringing you Miss Martha Scott in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Martha Scott as Mary in Crisis, a tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense. Visions continued to rise out of the steam clouds. I found myself sitting beside Paul's bed. He was out of danger. Accidental shooting while cleaning a gun, that's what Paul told the doctor. I wanted to tell the truth, but I wouldn't hurt him any further. No, Kurt didn't go to the reform school. We hushed that up too. Lies, lies, suffocating us. We shrank, Paul and I, crawled into our shells, confused, disillusioned, Afraid of our only son. But Kurt grew and so did his misdemeanors until he was a handsome giant with the face of a Viking saint and no soul at all. The incident with Elaine McGregor proved that. I was transplanting geraniums on the other side of the hedge. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. But what's going to happen to us? I wouldn't know. Doesn't it make any difference to you? <laughs> Should it? It's easy for you, isn't it? What did you expect? I... Nothing, really. You're in a class by yourself, Kurt. You've got the heart of a tapeworm, but you're not going to eat into me. Very pretty speech. I didn't know you were so valuable. But uh, what does it mean? It means I'm lucky. I can walk out of your life. You can't. You've got to live with yourself. You're rotten, Kurt. Rotten all the way through. You warp everything you touch. You destroy all the decent things around you. <laughs> decent? I despise you. I thought you loved me, madly. You can't love a snake. You can only be charmed by it. <laughs> Goodbye, darling. Mother, you can come out from behind there. Kurt, how could you? But Mother, I knew you were there all the time. I didn't mean that. I mean the way you treated Elaine. Oh, Kurt, maybe, maybe marriage would be good for you. Come, come, Mother. First you want me to get a job, any job. Now, you wouldn't want me to get married at my age, would you? I'm just a child. No, Kurt, not you. You've never been a child. Everything he did seemed to be aimed at hurting someone, and always it pleased him. 
And then one day, as suddenly as you turn over a page, Kurt was different. He slammed the front door and he was whistling. He was gayer than I'd ever seen him. Hi. Well, what are you so gay about? The proverbial leaf has been turned, and you see before you a hard-working young man. Kurt, you've got a job. That's right, Mother. A job. Oh, at the lumberyard. Oh, don't be silly. I'm a banker. A banker? What bank? First National. Mr. Cox was very nice about the whole thing. Your father's bank? Then Paul got you the job. <laughs> you talk like the old man owns the place. He's just a teller. Then how did you get the job? I talked to Mr. Cox. Kurt, what did you tell Mr. Cox? You should have been there, Mother. I melted the old boy's heart. He swallowed the whole thing. Swallowed what? What did you tell Mr. Cox? Don't get melodramatic, Mother. I merely told him that I had to go to work because we needed the money, that I liked the idea of working in a bank. You know, like father, like son. Oh, needed the money? Oh, Kurt, you didn't. You didn't humiliate your father that way. But you wanted me to get a job. Kurt, ever since you've been old enough to think, you've been bad. You caused your father nothing but heartache. You're aging him, draining all the joy out of his life. And now this, this crowning humiliation... But I'm warning you, Kurt. If you cause your father any more sorrow, if you hurt him just once more, I'll... I'll... Kill me? Bravo, Mother. Now, now let's have the second act. You... you feet! It was the first time I ever slapped him. But I knew then there would never be any peace for us. That he would go on and on until there was nothing left. No honor, no decency, nothing. But even I didn't suspect the depth of his malignancy until it was too late. Paul was coming up the walk alone. His step was slow, his back was stooped, and his face was lined and tortured. I, I opened the door for him. Paul? Paul, what's wrong? I've been fired. Fired? After 22 years? There was a shortage this morning. A thousand dollars. A thousand? Oh, surely they, they don't think you took it. Uh, you've handled millions of dollars down there and never touched a penny of it. How could... Kurt took it, didn't he? Yes. And you took the blame? Not exactly. He's very clever, Mary. He's devilishly clever. He worked hard. He did his work well. I thought... I tried to kid myself anyway that he was outgrowing his badness. It was all part of a warped scheme. He won the respect of everyone in the bank and very simply stole the money and planted the evidence that led straight to me. Why didn't you tell Mr. Cox what we've been through, what a bad boy he is? There are records at Juvenile Hall. We, we could prove it. You know what Mr. Cox said to me? He said he wouldn't prosecute because of my wonderful son. My wonderful son. I never had a son. I couldn't look at him, Mary. When I walked out of the bank, Garvey and Cage One didn't even say goodbye or good luck or too bad or anything. I just got suddenly too busy to look up. I forgot all about the months we lay in the mud together at Taro and the Navy Crosses. We went on the same day. Garvey was too busy to look up. I couldn't tell him the truth. I'm not strong like you, Mary. Can't take it anymore. He was looking at me, but he didn't see me. 
His eyes were covered with a film of tears. Then he turned and staggered out of the house. He walked like he was drunk. Yes, that's what he was, drunk with despair. He got in the car. I wanted to go to him to hold him in my arms, but I couldn't. I was frozen. The car lurched away from the curb, skidded around the corner. It was like a mad man driving. I wasn't surprised when they called me from the hospital. Reckless driving, they said, accidental death. But I called it something else. I called it murder. At that moment, I died too. Oh, I went through the motions of living at the cemetery and after. I kept on, not counting the days coming or going. And, and one day, I realized Kurt was 25, a man, a handsome, ruthless man. We lived in the same house, but we had nothing to do with each other. Until one November afternoon, I was in the kitchen making an apple pie. It had always been Paul's favorite. Suddenly, the room was throbbing with Paul's presence. Paul! I dropped the knife on the floor and ran up the stairs into my bedroom. Mine and Paul's. I was wild out of my mind. I turned about the room, everywhere searching. I needed him terribly. I could feel his presence, and yet it wasn't enough. It had to be something tangible, something I could touch. And then I remembered the Navy Cross and the Purple Heart. They were his. They were part of him. I pulled out the shirt drawer and threw his shirts on the bed. The Purple Heart was there in its satin line box. But the Navy Cross was gone. Oh, Paul... Oh, oh. Oh. The room was dark. I lay there for quite a while. I had no reason to get up. Kurt was home. I tidied the bed, spread it up, ran a comb through my hair. I walked along the hallway to his room. Yes? You want something? I'm in a hurry. Yes, I do want something. Your father's Navy Cross, where is it? Oh, that. I was holding three aces when I ran into a straight. Jack Carnes said he'd take the cross in lieu of five bucks. How do you like a guy like that? I looked at Kurt for a long time. Then I walked away. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. Not that day or any other day. Not even later when the policeman came to the door. I have a warrant for the arrest of Kurt Norquist. On what charge? Murder. It was a colorful trial. Murder in the first degree. Front pages were blotched with it. Little shop girls hurried to buy the evening editions of the sordid testimony to read on their way home from work. I went to the trial every day and listened with this strange sense of unreality. Sure I killed him. All I could think was that flashing, handsome young man up there admitting to murder and worse is my son. No, I didn't hate him. I didn't even know him very well. Then why don't I feel anything? 
I just wanted to see what it was like. That's all. Why don't I shudder with disgrace? Why don't I crawl off into a corner and die? Sorry? What for? He's dead, isn't he? The trial went on for days, and Kurt was unmoved, insolent, triumphant almost. Even as his wretched soul made ready for the lethal chamber, he was untouched. In there, madam. Five minutes. Thank you. Well, hello, mother. Mother? Oh, yes, I am your mother. Huh? Oh, you brought me some cigarettes. Thanks. Well, I wonder what it's going to be like. What? You know, that last mile. I'm a queer guy, all right. I don't feel sorry about anything. As a matter of fact, I don't feel anything at all. Never did. Except that maybe this is a good smoke. I look deeply into his face, beyond the pale blue eyes, into the black soul. I gave him life, but I couldn't give him honor. He exhaled. Smoke came out of his mouth and nose and spun around him, enveloping his face, framing it in a circle of fog. Then he smiled. Not the smile of a murderer, more the slow, wistful smile of a small boy. And abruptly, his face was changed. I've been here before. I watched the smoke rings as they billowed upward. I couldn't take my eyes off them. And each smoke ring was a face. Kurt's face. And the faces kept changing, getting smaller, smaller. The eyes were round, full of wonder, changing, and slowly the vision faded. They all converged into one face. And Kurt was a baby again. In a croup tent. Fighting for the right to live a useless life. I've seen ahead. That's what it was. I know what's in store for him, and it's all bad. Steam. Steam. Not much left. In a moment, there won't be any. Oh, let him go. He'll turn out bad. No good, not worth my tears. It won't be wrong. Let him go. Gone. I won't get the kettle. It isn't wrong. Let him go. No. Oh, no, little Kurt, wait. Don't go. Oh. Steve, kettle, get the kettle. Don't take him, oh, please, don't take him. He's just a little baby. He doesn't know. Steve, I must take his temperature. Oh, I'm afraid. Crisis. Temperature, 106. Six tenths. 107. Oh, no, no. He's gone. He's gone. He's dead. Kurt! 
die. Hold on, baby. Hold tight. I got my ways. I held the thermometer to the light. I brushed them off. And then I looked. The mercury stood at 106, 105, 103. You're going to get well, Kurt. David, you're 101. And grow strong and handsome. You're a hundred. And good, Kurt. You're going to be good. Please, God. Thank you, Martha Scott, for a splendid performance. Theater 5 presents Miss Martha Scott in Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Golly, Mother, don't tell me this ugly infant is me. Of course it is, Carol. Oh. Your father took this snapshot the day we brought you home from the hospital. Well, I'm going to burn it. No girl of 16 would want anybody to know she ever looked as ugly and naked as this. Well, now, what are you two girls up to this evening? Hatching a plot against the old man? <laughs> Hi, Dad. Mother's showing me ye old family album. Oh. I've no idea she kept this among her treasures. Well, I'd forgotten that myself. All right, move over. Let me look with you. Oh, just sit here but beside me, Arthur. Okay. Well, what year are we up to? 1948. This is the Grand Canyon trip on our second anniversary. Uh... Look, Carol. Here's your father riding a mule. <laughs> really? Gosh, you look so young. Well, I was young and handsome, too, wasn't I, Emily? Yes, you look like Ronald Coleman. <laughs> I was terribly jealous of you. <laughs> Listen, Mother, it's your birthday. He should be flattering you. <laughs> what birthday is it, by the way, or is that a secret? No, it's my 39th. <laughs> but the less said about that, the better. Oh, nonsense, <laughs> Emily. You're still my child bride. Well, come on, turn the page. I'm dying to see what's next. Um, <clears throat> Carol... You hold the album. Hmm? You and your father can look at the rest of it together. But, Mother... Emily, where are you going? Upstairs, dear. Uh, I, I think I'll take a hot bath and read a while. But uh, you stay here with Carol. I'm quite sure I'll be able to manage that one flight without assistance. <laughs> Time to get up? No, no, it's still dark. But do you hear that sound? Hmm? Uh, what sound? Steady ticking. Don't you hear it? No. Maybe you're half awake and still dreaming. Oh, just remembered, Emily. This is your 40th birthday. Happy day, sweetheart. Wait, wait, don't go back to sleep. Someone's come to speak to me. Someone mystical and strange. Who are you? A visitor, Emily, but hardly a stranger. I'm not really unknown to you. Are you sure? I've never heard your voice before. True, but you've been aware of my existence. I don't understand. Your awareness began a year ago. Remember the photograph album and your daughter's thoughtless remarks? Yes, of course. 
When you went to your room that night, you sat down and studied yourself in the mirror, and you found no evidence that I had been attentive to you as yet. You do remember that, don't you? Yes, I was relieved. But why are you so attentive to me now? It's much too soon. I'm still young. But this is your 40th birthday, Emily. No further postponement is possible. From this year forward, you'll be receiving my offerings in a continuous flow. But I don't want them, so please go away. You're not welcome. I never am. Nevertheless, my gifts will be arriving constantly. Always gifts of physical change. My first one is trivial, hardly noticeable at all. Oh, what is it? You'll see. When? In the morning. When you brush your hair. Au revoir, Emily. Au revoir. Good morning, Mother. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you, dear. Uh, sit right down. Your breakfast will be ready in a moment. Hey, you sound kind of mournful. Anything wrong? Your mother didn't sleep very well, Carol. I think she had a bad dream. Woke me up to tell me about it. Remember, dear? Yes, Arthur, I remember. Is that all that's bothering you, a bad dream? Oh, no, dear, not exactly. It's something more realistic than that, I'm afraid. What is it? Why, oh, I, I don't think I ought to tell you. You'll think I'm vain. I will not. Come on, Mother. Well, I never noticed it until this morning, but I'm getting slightly gray. There isn't much you can do about it, I guess. None of us can escape gray hair. It's a gift of time. What did you say, Arthur? I said gray hair's a gift of time. Uh, what about that breakfast birthday girl? I don't want to miss the 8.15. The breadwinners back from the marts of trade. Anybody home? Yes, Arthur, we're both here. Hi, Dad. Hey, Hi. brace yourself for a shock. When you see Mother, you'll faint dead away. I will? Why? Hello, darling. Was it a busy day? Yeah, I thought I'd never... Good Lord, Emily. What in God's name have you done to your hair? She had it dyed blonde. Isn't it wild? Well, that's hardly the word for it. Why did you do it? <laughs> well, I decided that my hair was going to change color. I might as well go all the way. Oh, I love it, don't you? I'm not sure yet. I'll let you know after I've had a double martini. Good morning, Emily. No, no, not now, please. You were thinking of me again, weren't you? I was trying not to. But I can't Of think... course you can't, especially on your 41st birthday. Do you intrude on everybody this way? Every mortal being, but most of them are more philosophical about it and accept my gifts without so much resistance. Which leads me to a painful observation, Emily. You've totally ruined the gift I brought you a year ago. Mm-hmm. Those dreadful gray hairs, they were disgusting. But as Arthur pointed out, they made you look distinguished. If you'll forgive me for saying so, your hair has lost a great deal in... Uh, Translation. Well, I'm going to keep it this way, and that's that. Oh, I'm sure you are. Pity. Oh, won't you please leave me now? I'd like to sit at my dressing table in peace. I'll go the instant you've seen my birthday gift. What is it this year? Something more substantial. Look in the magnifying mirror. Go on, pick it up. Look. Can you see them, Emily? Oh. Tiny wrinkles at the corners of your eyes. 
rather delicately etched, aren't they? Oh, they're horrible. Repulsive. Now, please go away and don't come back. But my return is inevitable. Goodbye for a while, Emily. I won't forget you, my dear. And I'm sure you won't forget me. simply mad for these two dresses, Mother. Which one do you like? Mm, I'm not sure. Hold them up and let me compare them. Golly, I'd like to have both of them. I wish you could, Carol, but remember what your father said. One new dress at tax time is plenty. Oh. Uh, I think I prefer the pink one. It suits your coloring better. Okay. I'll go in the fitting room and try it on. You coming with me? No, I'll stay out here and try to find a dress for myself. All right. I won't be long. Hello, Emily. How are you? Now, go away. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm trying to find a dress. Well, that black one you're holding, it's dignified and conservative. Just the thing for a woman of 42. You like it? I did, before you reminded me of my age. But it's perfect for you. Hold it up in front of the long mirror. Very well. Just right, isn't it? No. It's too conservative, too somber. Wait, uh, don't go away from the mirror. I'd like you to see my annual offering. Where is it? Where do I look? At your face, of course. Lean forward and look carefully. There, that's right. Oh, no, I hadn't noticed before. It's perceptible in your cheeks and a slight sag under your chin. Oh. A double offering this time. But I won't have them. I won't accept... Oh, I think you will, Emily, and I suggest you accept the black dress as well. I hate the black dress. It's hideous. You were right, Mother. I adore this pink one, and I'm going to take it. Mother, turn around and look at me. What, dear? I said I love this one and I'm going to take it, okay? No. It isn't okay. Find something else. Well, I think it's great. Why shouldn't I take it? Because I'd like it more myself. For yourself? <laughs> Mother, that's silly. This dress is for a 19-year-old. Don't be rude, Carol. I'm not fond of your constant reminders that I'm getting old. But that isn't what I meant at all. You're not ancient, Mother. But you're not 19, for heaven's Carol, sake. Carol, don't argue. Just go back and take that dress off. All right. All right. She's right, Emily. You're not 19 any longer. Please, not now. You're becoming pleasantly mature, so why not relax and enjoy it? Be quiet, I but said. But you are maturing. The proof is in this mirror. Stop it, or I'll... Emily, put down <laughs> that chair. Don't do it. <laughs> We've got to get to the church. I know that, dear. I'll be ready in a moment. Well, first thing you know, we'll miss our own daughter's wedding. What are you doing to yourself, anyway? Making up my face, of course. Would well, you have to pile on so much goo? You want me to look presentable, don't you, Arthur? Well, sure, but you look great to me without all that stuff. Well, I don't agree with you. I'm not the bride's grandmother. I'm her mother. That's right. And at 44, more attractive than ever. Oh, you're sweet. I'd like to believe that. 
But with these great bags under my eyes, I look 50. Now, Emily, that's nonsense. And it's getting late, so please quit what you're doing and come along. I'll be right with you. I... I'm certainly not going to Carol's wedding looking like a hag. Hello, Mother. Hello, Hi, Dad. Darling. Have you ever seen so many flowers in your whole life? <laughs> They're lovely. The floor nurse told me she could hardly find enough vases to put them in. How do you feel, dear? Oh, seven and a half pounds lighter. <laughs> and wonderful. <laughs> well, Carol, how does it feel to have a real live doll to play with? Well, I'm trying to get used to it. Have you seen him? I've studied him very carefully. And I think he's the spitting image of his grandma. His what? His grandma. <laughs> That's you, dear, in case you didn't realize it. Oh, dear, I'm not sure I like that designation. Why not, Mother? Well, it conjures up visions of a lace cap and a rocker by the window. <laughs> and I'm determined never to reach that stage. So now I, I'm laying down the law for Peter when he's able to talk. He may call me uh, Emily or even Hey You if he feels like it, <laughs> but never Grandma. Is that clear, Carol? <laughs> Yes, hey, you. <laughs> I'll brief him when he's brought in for his two o'clock feeding. Feedings, Emily. Oh, dear. It's you again. Yes, I've returned after a long absence. But how did you find your way back into my mind? I banished you eight years ago when I smashed that mirror in the shop. It's true you haven't admitted my existence for a long time, but it's obvious that I've been present in your subconscious. Obvious? How? By your actions at your dressing table. You've spent countless hours here attempting to defeat me. And I will defeat you. You'll see. But, my poor dear, you're defeating yourself. Your struggle for youth is ruining your happiness. And Arthur's as well, and it's a losing battle. I am not going to wither away, do you hear? But you're 50 today, Emily. That's half a century. Is this the face of a woman of 50? Look at it. Mm. Oh, you're quite ingenious with those jars and pots. But have you glanced at your hands? My hands? Yes. Those veins are quite prominent, aren't they? They look like the hands of an old woman. No, not really. You're just oversensitive. Think of Arthur, my dear, and try to be happy for his sake, if not your own. And I warned you, it's a losing battle. Happy birthday, dear Emily. Happy birthday to you. All right. I can't say I haven't been expecting you after five years. But this time, just tell me what you brought. I'm not going to look. Splendid. You're improving. But I'll never stop fighting. Oh, why don't you, Emily? Why not try to enjoy life with Arthur and Carol and Carol's boy? Peter's nine years old now. You could have fun together. So stop fighting, Emily. Start living. You'll find it lots more fun. Do you really think so? Oh, I do. Then I'll try. I honestly will try. Hi, Emily. I brought you a birthday present. Oh, Peter, how thoughtful of you. 
This is the second present I've had today. Oh, you got one from Mum and Dad? No, no, from a visitor. But I'm sure I'm going to like yours better. It feels like a book. Is it a book? Yes, one of my favorites. I read it last year when I was 16. I hope you'll enjoy it, too. Here, here, let me open it for you. Oh. There. You like it? Uh, well, I'm sure I will, but uh, what's the title, Peter? David Copperfield. Can't you read this print? Well, uh, not quite. Oh, I could if I squinted. But no lady wants to deepen her crow's feet, does she? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> That's the other present I told you about, crow's feet. Huh, some present. Hey, maybe you need stronger glasses for reading. Mm, that's possible. Can you see far away through those old specks? Oh, not more than about a dozen feet. Well, then you'd better get distance glasses, too. Maybe those uh, combination ones. Bifocals. Mm-hmm. Oh, gracious, I don't need bifocals yet. Well, you'd better get them by next Saturday or you won't be able to see me on the platform. Platform? What do you mean? My graduation. Don't you remember? Oh. Oh, dear me, yes. You'd better be there with those new cheaters because mm. I'm valedictorian. Okay, Emily? Okay. I'll get those new cheaters. And now, Peter, will you do something for me? Sure. What? It's something I'd like very much. Please call me Grandma. Are you in this room with me? If you are, please speak a little louder. My hearing isn't too good these days, you know. That little knob, Emily. Turn it up. That's right. <laughs> you hear me now? Oh, yes, clearly. I was afraid you'd forgotten me. On your 75th birthday, how could I? Strange, isn't it? These days, I don't mind your visits. I used to hate them. Yes, it took me a good many years to find a welcome here. You are welcome now. I've been terribly lonely since Arthur went away. Oh, I do hope I made Arthur happy. You did, Emily. He loved every moment of his life with you. Oh, that's good. Good. Who's there? Who just came into the room? It's Carol, Mother. I thought I heard you talking. You did. I'm entertaining an old enemy of mine. <laughs> A friendly old enemy. Oh? Yes, we've been visiting together for a good many years now. And the scamp has always brought me birthday gifts I didn't want. It's hard to explain. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> but I do, Mother. Your old enemy has been bringing gifts to me ever since I was 40. Carol, is that true? Of course. But he never frightens me the way he used to frighten you. Oh, dearest... If only you had accepted his gifts cheerfully, how much happier you would have been. Oh, yes, I know that now. Mm. I'm going to get your medicine, Mother. I'll be right back. Is my friendly enemy still here? You haven't left me, have you? No, indeed. I wouldn't go away without leaving you a gift. Good, good. At 75, I expect something extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And after you receive it, I'll never bother you again. Oh, don't say that. Please don't stop coming. You must come back. That would be impossible. 
My last gift to you, Emily, is the most desirable one of all. That is the gift you've been praying for, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I confess it is. And I'll accept it gladly. Thank you, dear friend. Thank you. Mother, I've brought your medicine. Mother? Are you asleep? Yes, Carol, your mother is asleep. I see. It was my final gift, and she was thankful. I'm thankful, too, that you brought it so gently. Dear, dear mother, you look so serene and so lovely. And so young. Theater 5 has presented Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, written by Albert Miller, directed by Ted Bell. In the cast, Martha Scott, Court Benson, Joan Loring, Paul McGrath, and Peter Fernandez. Script editor, Jack C. Wilson. Original music by Alexander Vlasdotsenko. Orchestra under the direction of Glenn Osser. Executive producer for Theater 5, Mr. Lee Bowman. This is Fred Foy speaking. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.